ago this was, at the Georgia district camps. And believe it or not, many of you just think this is impossible because of OSHA and all these things now. There was no air conditioning. There was no heat. There was no uh, rarely hot water. And uh, you couldn't wear shorts back then because, you know, that was how you went to hell. Shorts meant hell. And, uh, <laughs> and you're in the summer at Camp Paradise and it's 103 degrees, and you can literally see the steam coming up off the ground. And by Wednesday, you could just put your jeans up in the corner. They'd stand up by themselves, you know. But I've known this brother for a long time. And uh, if you've known me, you know that I don't, I don't do flattery and I don't receive flattery because usually that means someone's about to manipulate or maneuver you one or the other ways. But I will tell you this about my brother. One of my favorite things about Carol Martinez is the law of kindness is in his mouth. Um, I've been in the Georgia district since 86. I have never heard one, not one, cross or sideways word about him as a man, husband, father, or minister. And it's been said that you can tell a lot about a man by the countenance of his wife and his children when they're grown. And if you look, his babies and his grandbabies now, oh, the grandbabies, you know, his wife tell the story. And it's a privilege of mine for the first time to allow, uh, to have the opportunity for my friend, Carol Martinez, to minister the word of God this morning. And he'll be ministering tonight as well in the grill. Would you give him a hand as he comes? That was the truth. This is a lunch. No, actually, let me go ahead and show you all what's in it because you'll be so distracted. <laughs> Normally, when I preach, I will fill this up and sip on it. And when I'm finished with this, I'm done. We can go home. I'll be through preaching. This morning, this is what they gave me. Ushers, take that pastor out. Out of control. Pastor John, thank, thank you for the privilege. And it is. I, I look back and you were talking about Camp Paradise. Boy, we, we had some good times. Um, lots of fun fellowship. Before I actually get started, I got two little things I want to say. Uh, the first one is serious because we've pastored for so long and we've just kind of filtered in. I want to tell you what we see. Christ Chapel, I want to tell you what we feel. And just for an awareness, I know you know, some of you know it very well. Every week... You can sense the anointing. You can, you can sense the worship. There's a rising level. And you can sense the presence of God that's coming to meet us in that middle ground. 
I told Pastor Wade last week, we like to, I like to sit at the front because I like to hear what's happening behind me. And there are times when the music, the singing, it'll, it'll become a dull roar. In a little while, it sounds like angels. And I'm thinking to myself, the worship in this house, all glory to God. Amen. All glory to God. I have, I have, Vesta and I have two granddaughters. One is four and a half. Y'all know Olive. I'm teaching Olive to preach. She was at our house recently, and I said, Olive, and the Lord said, and she said, ha! <laughs> and I see Jalen back there, and she's, she's 11, going on 20. I told her one time that at dance re recital in Adel that they had asked me to do a guest dance, and she told me, she says, Poppy, sometimes you embarrass me. <laughs> All right, y'all, today I want to share a couple of nuggets. I like to use that word. If I shared a nugget that, might, that the Holy Spirit might bring back to your memory throughout the week, something that might stir you, something to chew on, something to encourage you, something to help you grow, something to take a next step, then, then I would feel like that I've listened to the Lord and I've brought you a word that would be fruitful. That's what I want, is for this to be fruitful. Today I want to share with you about a nameless mother with great faith. So we'll just call it, you have great faith. Y'all say that, repeat with me, you have great faith. Say it again, you have great faith faith. Jesus said this to a woman. She doesn't, she's not even named in the scripture. Turn with me, if you would, Matthew chapter 15, verse 21 through 28. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. And you see the, her humility because she cried out to the Lord in that spot. In verse 23, Jesus did not answer a word. Boy, that just, that just makes your heart stop for just a moment. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. The Lord help, Lord help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted, and your daughter was he and her daughter was healed from that very hour. I'm going to ask my sweet bride of 43 years if she would stand. Vesta's going to stand and pray over God's word this morning. Father, we thank you again for this time together. We thank you for this precious pastor, his family, and this beautiful congregation. 
God, we thank you that you have been in our midst this morning. Father, we thank you that you have given us a word through this messenger today. Father, once again, I pray that you would anoint him, your word, and the words that proceed from his mouth today, Father. Open our ears to hear. God, open our hearts to receive all that you have for us in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus speaks to her and says, you have great faith. You have a lady with a demon-possessed child, and no doubt that's a spiritual situation. And so she's bogged down. She's weary in, in all things. She's tried everything she could do. Probably every person in this room at one point or another, we've all had something where we felt backed into the wall. We felt like we had Egyptians behind us and a Red Sea in front of us, didn't we? And here she is. She's got this, this daughter with this spiritual battle, the demons are, have possessed her. The mom's tried everything possible. And here Jesus, when she runs up to him and Jesus responds to her, he speaks the kindest words and the greatest compliment. You know, everybody, when you look at a Christian and you say, hey, I see something in their life. I'm touched by them. I'm changed by them. I love to hear them sing or play or to worship or to hear them preach or to teach. I, I love what's happened. I love the influence. Here's this lady, and Jesus is bragging on her, and he says, you have great faith. He didn't say, I, I hear faith in you, or I've heard your prayer, or I know who you are long before you got here. He wanted to make it very specific, and he added the word great. Can you imagine what that would do to her? She risked a whole lot to be there. She put her life at stake to run up in the presence of a man, a Jewish man nonetheless, to have an interaction. She needed to see him. She had faith to believe this was her only hope. But she took her life in her own hands to get there. She was a Canaanite woman who came from the country north of Palestine. And that country was hostile to the Jews. Jesus is Jewish and she's a Gentile. She runs up and the Bible doesn't, re it's not really clear. It doesn't say that she's married. We can presume that because she has the child. She had that child and all that we know about her is that. We don't know her name. We don't really know anything about her other than desperation and exasperation kicked in and she had to find Jesus. So can you see her locked away at home? Can you see her in the room, in the very home with demonic powers and presence? Can you see her at, the, at her wit's end? And she hears of this man, Jesus. She hears of the miracle worker. She hears that he can set the captive free. She hears that he can open blinded eyes. She hears that he can feed the multitudes. She hears that with all of his heavenly resources, miracles are happening. And all of a sudden, it comes to her. There's this spiritual thing happening on the inside of her. It draws from in here. And she's got to make a connection. She needs to go and see this man, Jesus. She needs to reach out beyond her home, beyond her own resources, beyond anything she can think or imagine. She had to see Jesus, and she had to go now. Four words that enshrined her that day. You have great faith. 
You have great faith. Y'all listen to me. I'm not talking about a three-minute prayer in the car on the way to work. I'm talking, just like I was sharing with you, the growing, the, the excitement, the anticipation, the worship to the Most High God as we come in and the glory cloud settles in this sanctuary. The power and the presence of the Almighty is resting in this place. In the presence of God, we change. In the presence of God, things happen. In the presence of God, there are miracles. Sometimes we say, well, hey, Lord, I, I, I know what I need, but God, you know so-and-so, they need something too. You need to fix that. He will. One way or the other, he will. Can you imagine Jesus is an expert on faith? Don't you imagine by the time that she came to see him that he's seen it all and heard it all? He knew people with little bits of faith and people with a lot of faith, and I'm sure he ran across quite a few that didn't have any faith at all. But the stirring of the Holy Ghost in her life. I'm going to give you my nuggets. I'll preach fast. You listen fast, and lunch is soon here. <laughs> Things that she had to kick through. Y'all, she had to move beyond some barriers. She had to get out of her self-pity. She had to get out of her self-fix and control, whatever. She, she, she extended all, she uh, 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 extinguished all of her resources, the barriers. Number one, if you're writing, she was a woman, she was a Gentile, and she was a Canaanite. The women were not supposed to approach the men in that manner. She was not supposed to even have a conversation with Jesus. She was a Gentile and he was Jewish and they were not to have a part. There was a separation and they believed strictly to keep the nationalities separated and just like that. She broke that rule. She kicked down that barrier because she knew where her source was. She wasn't worried. She wasn't fearful of those things. And thirdly, she was a Canaanite, and I told you earlier, because of that land in the, of the Palestinians, they were at war. They had nothing in common and nothing good to say about each other, the, 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 that land of Canaan and, uh, and, and the Jews. They were at odds. They were mean. They were hostile to each other. So you can imagine, here they are, and her people don't like Jesus, and, and Jesus is, is forbidden by even his own group that, that he's not to be mixing with them. And he even said, at this point, I am here for the sheep. I'm here for the Jewish people. Well, I love the thought that when Jesus spoke to her, he even went against, he broke a, a little barrier himself. His disciples wanted him to shush her and send her away. And that didn't happen. Here's just a nugget also in chapter 14, way ahead of where we read. When Jesus, the disciples were out in the boat and Jesus walked out on the water and Peter said, they thought it was a ghost and Peter said, Lord, if that's you, would you bid me to come to you? And Peter climbs out of the boat and he starts to walk and he's looking around and he sees. Everybody say sees. We know what we see. We see stuff. We see people. We see uh, uh, the world. Well, as Peter stepped out, he saw the waves and the, the turmoil happening around him. And he took his eyes off of the Lord and he saw that stuff and he began to sink. I'm just giving you that correlation that what was seen made all of the difference in the world in sinking and walking 
out to where Jesus was. Peter got out of the boat because he was looking at the Lord. He began to sink when he stopped looking at the Lord. So here, this lady, in her desperation, she says, I'm going to see Jesus. I'm going to put eyes on him. I need to speak to him. How many of us know that even though we have faith, we pray, we have prayer partners, we have confidants, we have people that build us up and lift us up and they help us pray, our faith still takes an action. Sometimes we have to get up. Sometimes we have to do a little more. Sometimes we have to make ourselves available to be in the presence of God. See, sometimes we don't do that. Many times we don't do that. So being proactive, making a step, stepping forward. If we'll step up, God will step in. Did you catch that? If we'll step up, God will step in. So the barriers that she's having to kick over. Number one, desperation. She was desperate. Her baby needed a touch, and she didn't have it. Her baby needed a miracle, and she couldn't do it. Her baby needed a touch of heaven. She needed to see and beckon and beg if it was going to take it. She needed to see the master. I looked up, and Webster says that desperation means to seek help without paying attention to the present situation. Seeking help without paying attention to the present situation. Despite the prevailing circumstance. See, all around her and all behind her, it was bad. It was bad. She was in desperation and she knew where the answer was. And that's where she went. And number two of that part was love. The barrier, her, her love for that child, oh, let me tell you, people who are parents and grandparents in this house, you know. My mama was Mildred Martinez, and she was of greatness in my eyes. I loved her. She died at the age of 49 with lung cancer. And I'm just going to tell you, you talk about eating up some grandbabies, Mildred would be proud of hers. But I always remember Mama would say, I would walk through fire for my children. I thought that was the silliest thing until I had kids. And now that I've got grandbabies, uh-uh, don't you be messing with them. I'll go Power Ranger and hurt you. Her love for that child, she didn't care who was there. She didn't care who was going to shush her. She didn't care what they were going to do to her, even if it cost her her life. She needed to bring the attention and the matter into the face of Jesus and say, hey, I know where you can step in and do something that I can't do. I know that I'm not supposed to be in your presence. I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to speak to you. But Lord, today I cry. I'll bow down and beg of you. The thing that I need is that my daughter would be touched of heaven, that she would be be delivered, that she would be healed and set free. Amen. And that third part there was her vision. She had, according to the scripture, we don't know that she has not met Jesus yet. She'd heard. She'd heard. 
The word was going around. This man, Jesus, is walking through the land. He's healing people. He's raising the dead. He's opening blinded eyes. He's healing crippled people. The miracles are happening. Truly, this is the Son of God. She says, I've got to get there. And so she had a vision. Her vision was that this is my help. This is the Son of God. This is the Savior. This man is the healer. In her vision, in her heart, in her spirit, that spiritual, the, her spirit man that would reach out and connect with Jesus, spirit man. She saw in Jesus that there would be compassion on her daughter and on her need and that he would not turn her away. Now that's real vision and that's real faith. Because in all reality, she wasn't supposed to be there. In all reality, Jesus wasn't supposed to even engage with her. Let me say this, and you might want to write this down. The measure of our faith is conditioned by what we see in Jesus. The measure of our faith. See, we don't depend on each other. We're human. We're frail. We're, we're pitiful and sinful at best. But when we raise our eyes and look into the face of the Lord, we see him as a savior. We see him as a healer, nurturer. And our, he's our strength and our encouragement. He brings us wisdom. He speaks peace into our lives. I love that he brings nurture. He'll, get, he'll add to my life a little bit each day. So I, and I truly want that. I want to be a better Christian today than I was yesterday. But it's because of the relationship. Listen, I'm not your pastor, but I'd love to be able to tell you this. The things we do and the accomplishments for the kingdom are based on our relationship with Christ. Don't think you're working your way to heaven and don't think that, that, that just being good is good enough. Do your homework and stay close. Walk in relationship with the Lord. This lady had vision. She had eyes to see the Lord. And so that measure of faith, he says, you have great faith. The second thing this morning, that, the, the second barrier, she was persistent. She was persistent. She wouldn't take no for an answer. She refused to be put off. She refused to be intimidated. She was not going to take the criticism. The disciples are saying, send her away. And then she says, she called on the Lord. She speaks of her daughter's uh, 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 demon possession. And the scripture said that Jesus got quiet. He didn't have an answer. He wouldn't respond. The mother refused to be put off. I want to show you those three. In verse 23, when Jesus was quiet, she didn't see it as being indifferent. She wasn't upset about it. Now listen, you know us as humans. If somebody gets quiet and it's a put off, it's okay, well, fooey on you. I'll, I'll, I'll seek somewhere else. She was not put off with Christ. She couldn't be deterred. Her, her path and direction couldn't be changed. She was steadfast like Flint. She, ne she needed to see the Lord, and this was her opportunity. So even when he got quiet, she was not dissuaded. In verse 23 as well, the disciples speak out and they rebuke. They're saying, she has followed us. Get rid of her. Move her on. You know, I had this thought. 
Remember the lady who went in and broke the alabaster box and poured the perfumed oil all over expensive, a year's worth of wages. And she poured oil on the feet of Jesus and wiped it with her hair and her tears. And the disciples tried to, to shoo her away. They thought she was a pest. And Jesus spoke up and he says, what she's doing now, she's bringing worship to me that you didn't do yourself. I wonder in my mind, when Jesus sees this lady and she refuses to be put off, she refuses to be dissuaded in any fashion, would Jesus see this encounter as a place of worship? This woman, no doubt, Jesus is going to deliver and heal her daughter, and there's going to be a miracle in the house, and wow, it's going to go viral quickly. Did he see it as worship? There's a little more. Verse 24 the behavior of Jesus, what he said in effect was, ma'am, I'm sorry, but you don't belong to the right group. You have no claim on me. She didn't try to analyze his response. She just simply refused to go away. She refused to be put off. She let her need speak for itself. She let her need speak for itself. The scripture says that she fell at his feet and she cried and she said, help me, sir. That's the essence of her great faith. At the end of her rope, there stood Jesus. There stood Jesus. You know the neat part of our Christian walk? As we're with him and we grow closer and we learn to walk in that relationship, when the bottom falls out, we know who to go to. We know who to go to. She relied on grace. That third part, she, she made no claim. She made no claim. She says, I really don't. I'm not Jewish and you don't have to do anything for me. Jesus said, I'm here for the Jews, and so why, it's not fair for me to take the bread off of their table and, and throw it to you, and you're not even a part. And she said, no, you can call me a dog if you like, but remember, even the dogs will eat the crumbs. She didn't have to have a full-on encounter. She'd take the, the leftovers. The power of the living God resourced into her life I'll take the scraps, she said. So see what happened there? The awesomeness of Christ continued. The, that touch was there. Whether he laid hands on her to pray or whether just standing in his presence. In his presence, our lives are changed. In his presence, we are enriched. In his presence, we are nurtured. In God's presence, we are strengthened. In his presence, we grow. In his presence, we change. In his presence, we become like him. He didn't have to lay hands on her. He saw full well that her intent wasn't even about herself. It was a prayer request for that baby that needed a miracle. And he said, from this day, right now, I see in you, you have great faith. You see what constituted that? The barriers couldn't stop her. The barriers couldn't stop her.
when our Lord told her that it didn't seem right to take the bread and the children of Israel from the children of Israel and throw it to the dogs and the Gentiles, she burst, she didn't burst into tears and walk away. She gave him this answer and she said, "Sir, it's true. I admit I have no claims on what you have to give, but there must be some extra grace, grace, unmerited favor." When we've lived a life and somehow we look around and say, you know what? I miss my walk with God. I wish that I miss the favor of God. I miss the blessing of God. And all of a sudden, God sends somebody or something. He sends a check in the mail or he sends somebody with an encouraging word, a handshake or a smile or a hug. God does something powerful. It's favor. And it's called grace. She didn't earn this, and she wasn't, and in her eyes, she wasn't even worthy of it. But she wasn't leaving because anybody just disapproved. Grace. You can make a little footnote in the side of your Bible there. Grace. You see the line. You see the division between Jew and Gentile. Jesus erased that line. Jesus erased the line. So what used to be in... Uh, 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 um, isolated and exclusive now is inclusive. And you'll notice after Jesus left, when, when Peter had the vision and, and the sheet came down in the four corners, remember, that's when God gave the go-ahead. And so then the disciples, they were all released to preach to every walk of mankind. It wasn't just about the Jews. It would be about the, the, the Gentiles and the Romans. It would be about every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. That extra grace, she said, I don't deserve it, but I'm appealing to you for it. I'll eat the scraps. Here's a nugget for you. Any acknowledgement is still acknowledgement. She had Jesus' undivided attention. She stepped into the presence of the master against the rules. But the point was, by being there, she dared to have the faith to believe. She dared to hang on. She had great faith. It was compounded. There's probably a whole lot of praying happened at her house way before she got there. Way before she got there. Jesus says, you have great faith. And no wonder from that very moment, he said, your daughter is healed. She is made whole. She won over her difficulties. She won over the devil. Every obstacle and every opposition conquered by that faith, by that prayer. How many things, how many times do we go through things where we're, we, we need to be reminded of just such as this? That the obstacles that get planted in our way and we have to kick them to the side, we have to spend a little extra time in the Word, a little extra prayer. We need the fellowship of brothers and sisters in Christ. You know why? Because we all have a sphere of influence. You bless me and I hope to bless you. When your pastor says, hey, I missed you last week, he's not counting heads and getting on to you. He missed your influence. He missed the love and the grace. He missed the hugs and the encouragement. Just like by not being here, you missed his. 
our influence. We love each other. We build each other up. The faith to hold on. The faith that dares to kick obstacles out of the way. The faith that dares to trust God to be God. He is who he says he is, and he can do all that he said he could do. Somebody say amen. amen. He is God. So don't despair. When you're faced with the problems, just remember, she kicked away the barriers, and she went anyway. Have you ever been so downtrodden and, and just despair? You want to pull the curtains back, and you just want to hide. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to pray. I don't want to read. I just, I just sit here and sulk and do this thing by myself. I used to tell people, you get cabin fever if you don't open the curtains and get a little sunshine. It'll eat you up. Kick the barriers out of the way. You know, sometimes we can be our hardest, our hardest problem once we convince ourselves, you know what? I've served the Lord a long time. What he did for me yesterday, he's still able to do again today. He's a miracle-working God. So persist in your belief. Receive the grace. Jesus erased the line, and it's like he's standing there. Well, you're here, and you're welcome. Even at the dismay of the disciples, you're here, and you're welcome. Not only do you have great faith, but your daughter is healed. Your miracle has happened. Receive grace that he offers so freely to us. All who approach him in humility. I love that part on the front. She went to him and she says, I have this need for all of these things and I know you can do it. And she wasn't haughty or sassy or demanding. She went in humility. And he responded. Brooke, if you'd come, baby. If you'd bow your hearts with me for just a moment. Lord Jesus, I am grateful for your word. I am grateful for the illustrations that you give us. I am grateful that even in your compassion, Lord, when we cry out, when we reach forward, you reach back. When you allow us in your presence, we come with humility and our lives are changed. Lord, I'm grateful that you do answer prayer and I'm grateful that you bring healing and strength and you bring wisdom and nurture and you're God. You're awesome and powerful. Holy is the Lord God. Lord, I just pray for every person here this morning that by the fullness of your touch, That one that's weary, would you be strength even now? Lord, that one that's battling sadness and depression, I curse depression in Jesus' name. And I speak a new mind and a fresh spirit. The fullness of the Holy Spirit of God in their lives do all things new right now. Lord, for those in the room who've been through battle after battle and they're just battle-weary, 
God, I pray that you're more than enough in their life today. That you'll add a physical strength and a spiritual strength. That you'll bring a nurture that only you can do. Lord, when ours runs out, and sometimes we try so hard, you're more than enough. Strengthen the foot soldiers today. Those that are prayer warriors and fight on the front lines, make them healthy and strong. Lord, I pray for families in this room today for healthy families and strong marriages. God, that you'll bring us from the back to the front, that you'll move us away from the barriers with a steadfastness. I'm going to be in the presence of God because that's how my life changes. That's where my life will change. Lord, I'm grateful that I can trust you with these things. I'm grateful I trust you with my family. God, I'm grateful for who you are, who you've shown yourself to be, and who you, who you prove yourself to be every day. God, that sickness would be cursed in this room. I speak health and healing in Jesus' name. Lord, I speak the freshness of heaven to rain down, that the Holy Ghost, the Shekinah, the Kabbad, rest on each person in every household by the power of God your church your people be lifted up encouraged challenged and changed servants of the most high we bless you today in Jesus name amen saints would you honor the Lord by blessing him this morning Hey, Carol, you left your lunch here, buddy. You scared me with that big water bottle. I said. Church family, two things. Many of you don't know this, and it's not that it was kept secret, but one of the philosophies of ministry I have here is when someone attends here, this is home. I don't ever pay them for preaching any more than... We've got Sunday school teachers that teach every week. We've got nursery. That's their, that's their part of bringing to the body. But I want to do something for Carol and Vesta. And if, ushers, if you'll go ahead and just bring us a, anybody, just a couple of baskets here. Um, how many years ministry, Carol? Not in a bragging sense, but how many? 39. You're old, man. Almost 40 years. Listen. What we want to do is not, we're not get, I've heard preachers say, aren't you grateful for that word? Then let's give. I'm like, no, no. We give because we were born to do. This is what people do. But for f almost 40 years, he's the pastor taking offerings for other people. And they're just in between places, full-time places. The Lord opens doors for years and years and then... When you're in between, you know, he's probably got more skills than me. I don't know what I'd do. I'd probably go back to male modeling at the nursing homes or something for a little extra. I'm sorry. My, it's, 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 it's a gift. I can't. But I think 
I think it would thrill the heart of God if we as a people, and this is as simple as it is, saw one of his servants that served his entire life and says, we got you covered during this gap. Let us be a part. Would you like to participate in that today? Amen. If you're making a check, make it to Christ Chapel. And if uh, ushers, when we're done, if you take it to the back, guys, if you, Josh, if you can count it for me and get me a total. See, we're taking care of Carolyn Vesta. They, uh, we're an offering for them, and we're serving them fried chicken today. So, you know, at my mom's. So I'll cover the chicken, you cover the offerings, and we want to bless them. And then, Wade, I want you to come make a quick announcement about tonight for your meeting and then close in prayer. So uh, Brooke's going to play for us, and you can write Christ Chapel and just write uh, Carol's easier than Martinez, C-A-R-Y-L. You can put that, or minister, or love offering, and we'll make sure that every dollar goes to them today. Would you come? Where you can Some of you are still coming. That's fine. Keep coming. Um, I do want to announce tonight we were scheduled to meet for the small groups. If if that if you had that on your schedule, cancel that off. Come tonight, though, for the adult Bible study. But if you are still wanting to to get involved in small group ministry, will you come see me personally? And um, let's just chat one on one. That's I think that'll be a good way to do it. So be blessed in the Lord today. Go with God this week, and let's do that. Let's be hungry for the Lord, will we? Let's kick out the barriers this week. Amen? Amen. Amen.